It's your Friday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back. Final show of the week and a newsy one at that. Chips Goggins and I will talk a little bit later about uh, Gopher football. Big week for them with quarterback questions for the future. Vikings, same thing. Um, Their quarterback situation thrown into a state of flux when Joshua Dobbs had a poor game on Monday Night Football. Now it seems like they are mulling a change. Maybe Mullins a change. Sorry for the pun, but uh, Chip and I will get into that and why I think that would be at least a mistake in the short term or at least a mistake in terms of the ceiling of this team. Um, We'll get into some wild stuff and I'll talk a little bit more wild at the end of the show as well. Got some basketball teams that looked awfully good last night in a pair of wins. We'll get to that in a moment. First, though, what did I miss? Um, Twins have a new alignment in their broadcast booths. We saw Dick Bremer leaving, departing this past offseason. That was announced early in the offseason. Long time play-by-play voice. You know, 40 years, essentially, he was in the booth for the Twins. There will be a new play-by-play voice and we know who it is now it is a familiar voice even if it is not one who was in the tv booth before Corey provis uh, for a deck more than a decade the lead play-by-play voice on twins radio will slide over to tv and be the primary play-by-play voice for the twins chris atterbury who had done some fill-in work and was the studio host of the pregame show for the Twins pre- and post-game show, will be the lead radio voice now for the Twins. So familiar voices still in those important roles, um, but that is settled now. And the, the part of it that's not settled, of course, still is what uh, what channel or what, what, broadcast, uh, what broadcaster will be broadcasting Corey Provis's voice in 2024. Of course, the Twins um, done with their Bally Sports North contract at the end of 2023. Phil Miller's story on Friday morning, starttobe.com. Go check that out. Um, the one that reported, of course, the news of the broadcasters also gets into the fact that the Twins are still sorting through their broadcast options next year. And it still seems to me that the most likely thing is that they will wind up being um, broadcast and distributed through Major League Baseball, and that that is going to be kind of their short-term and probably their long-term solution as they try to figure out how to put this all together in, the, in a way that is best for their both their bottom line and for the fans. Now, he did mention there is a possibility they could do one more year maybe with Bally Sports North. That, to me, though, seems unlikely. There would have to be some streaming component to that if they were going to do that, and people seem fairly frustrated with the Bally Sports North experience at this point, but um, or at least a lot of people are. So we'll see exactly where that winds up. But we do know at this point is that uh, Corey Provis will be the, the play-by-play voice on TV, sliding over from radio, and Chris Atterbury will be the, uh, the radio full-time play-by-play voice now. So congrats to both of those guys. I know... Both of them reasonably reasonably well, especially Chris. Um, I actually remember meeting him when he was in town for his original interview with the Twins back in like the mid two thousands. Um, so I've gotten to know him quite a bit over the years. Consider him a friend. So congrats to him. Congrats to Corey. Should be a good uh, a good partnership, uh, Twins partnership over the years with those guys. And uh, yeah, just a, just kind of good probably for the Twins to have clarity on that and now be able to figure out. What they want to do with their with their with their broadcast partner going forward. 
basketball, a couple of breezy wins for the Wolves and the Gopher men's basketball team. It was a winning night. Um, we'll get to the Wild, like I said, in a little bit after Chip and I talk. But Wolves win 101-90. It wasn't even really that close against Utah after a big third quarter provided all the separation they needed. No Anthony Edwards in this game. No Jaden McDaniels in this game. Didn't really matter. Um, the Keel Alexander-Walker had a massive game. 20 points, filled up the stat sheet with... And he had like seven, seven assists, five rebounds, five steals. He took a bunch of charges. Like he, he really showed up against his former team. Remember, he was kind of a throw-in. It seemed like in the deal where the Wolves got Mike Conley Jr. in the uh, D'Angelo Russell trade last year. But you know, the Wolves getting those two guys and three second-round picks in the D'Lo deal that is proving to be quite a coup for uh for tim Connolly, should mention also uh tim Connolly expected to join me on a show next week we kind of got that nailed down so hopefully that comes to, comes to pass uh, as scheduled next week thinking that'll be next week's show on wednesday but stay tuned for the official uh the official launch of that but that is in the works right now i wanted to talk to tim just about successful start to this season roster building and so on and so forth so good win for the wolves over utah 14 and 4 now 14 and 4 remember they started 1 and 2 so that's 13 and 2 since then they've got some winnable games coming up beyond this obviously there's going to be bigger tests along the way more challenges along the way but building this kind of depth at this point in the season where you can have you know two of your best Two of your best young players, two of your best players, period, out and still keep rolling, still have the defense going, still get enough scoring, still you know be able to put away a rebuilding team with relative ease. That is a good sign. That is a sign of maturity. That is a sign of depth. And the Wolves seem to have a lot more of both of those things this season. Gophers men's basketball team, we'll see. They had a good win, a big you know blowout win against New Orleans last night. Now they go into Big Ten play. Now we're going to find out a lot more about this team. It's a team that's already you know coughed up that big lead in their only decent, really non-conference game against Missouri. Uh, a team that had a real struggle out in San Francisco, lost by 18 out in San Francisco. So a team that is really you know, looking to find its way still. I think they have more talent. I think they have more depth this year than they've had in the past, but we don't really know what this team is made of yet. We're going to find that out once Big Ten play begins. So I'm curious to see more about that. I'm curious to see what this team becomes, what it can become, because this is a big year for Ben Johnson. We've talked about that plenty. This is a big year for him. There has to be significant progress. I don't know exactly what significant progress looks like. I think we will know it when we see it. If we don't see it, I don't know how much more opportunity he will get because that is a program that is really struggling. Even in year three, if that was, a, if there's a struggle in year three, even though that feels like it's kind of early in a coach's tenure in college, I could see that being something that they looked at and said, you know what, we got to go a different direction right now. So big year for them. Good win last night, but more to come with that team. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Let's bring in Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins right now because... 
It's been an extremely slow week of news, and I just needed some <laughs> someone to fill some time here. Um, I'm kidding, of course, Chip. Um, man, we got quarterback questions for the two, two highest-profile teams in town. Uh, two highest-profile football teams, I should say. We had a coaching change midweek for the Wild. Um, there's a lot going on here. This is uh, sort of typical for this market. It's never dull. It's never dull, but it doesn't always Rarely like dull. it doesn't Rarely always dull. like hit you with everything at once. I feel like like you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was just like well one thing after the other. I want to start with the Gophers because you know this program is about as well as anybody in this whole market. Um, they finished five and seven. They lose to Wisconsin. They're still going to get a bull berth. Um, we'll find that out in a few days because their grades are so good. At least they're smart. Um, how smart are they though? Will they be smart enough to? kind of pivot to a new era. I mean, we get Monday, this quarterback from New Hampshire says he's got an offer from the Gophers, this graduate transfer, Max Brosmer, um, led FCS in passing last year, like 3,500 yards. A day later, Ethan Calic-Manis says, hey, I'm in the portal, um, bye, or you know, probably goodbye. And someone, was it Ethan's brother? Who was it that tweeted that, that those two things were not linked, but I'm, I'm going to link those together. Are you going to link those together, Chip? Yeah, that was his dad. It came out Wednesday and said it had nothing to do with competition. Um, I think there was probably a number of factors and I can tell you right now, there is no way they plan for this contingency. Uh, When they recruited Ethan, they were, they thought, he was going to be their guy for multiple years. Yeah, uh, They didn't recruit behind him, a quarterback behind him. They went all in with him. I thought he was going to had a chance to be a really good quarterback for him based on what I saw in practice, but also in the limited, not even limited, but the, the fill-in duty that he had last year uh, when Tanner Morgan got hurt, specifically that Wisconsin game. You watched the way he managed that and threw the ball. Also the Nebraska game, I thought, man, this kid has it we heard about his confidence and his demeanor and poise and all these things. And you saw the arm talent. So I thought he had a chance. I thought there'd be growing pains this year, but I thought it'd be one of those situations where you saw him get incrementally, incrementally better. It didn't happen. Uh, there's no other way to say it, but the season was, was a disaster for him. His accuracy did not improve. And I think the moment of kind of clarity for PJ, if he, I'm sure he was thinking it all along here the last month of November when you continue to see his struggles, but they're losing 21 to 14 in the third quarter against Wisconsin, facing a third and seven. Pivotal moment. He has a clean pocket and he throws a pass that should be fairly routine for Big Ten quarterbacks, and he throws it eight feet over Elijah Spencer's head. And you see Calic Manis grab his helmet like yep. in agony and the TV pan the PJ. And you can see he just had this look of exasperation. Like, I can't believe we have this type of throw in the 12th game of the season. And it was just too many of those situations. So I had been feeling that way. It's like he has to go get a portal quarterback. He has to, at the very least, tell these guys that we're going to have an open competition next year and the best man is going to be the starting quarterback. You, there's no way that Ethan had earned the right to be guaranteed the starting job going in next year because there just wasn't enough growth in his game this year. And so I'm not from that end. I'm not surprised that he uh, left because we see it and guys, yeah. you know, we see it all the time. And so, but, and then they lost the freshman quarterback off yes. the roster. Uh, and we know Cole Kramer went through senior day festivities Saturday against Wisconsin. And so 
he'll stay and, and uh, run the show, be the quarterback for the bowl game. But they have a, a freshman coming in, right? Uh, quarterback, but I, I think at minimum now PJ has to get two quarterbacks out of the portal. Got to have three. You can't have two. And so it's a it's a dicey situation for them for two major reasons. I think when he's going to look for uh, the quarterback, one. NIL is a big factor. Nebraska quarterback or Nebraska coach Matt Rule said yesterday that to get a good power yeah. five quarterback. So you're talking about an established quarterback from somewhere in a power five to transfer to your score, whether whatever grade he is or if he's a grad transfer. One million, one and a half million, up to two million dollars that you have to basically guarantee that that player, that quarterback in NIL money, which the Gophers cannot do. They don't have no. that kind of money. And secondly, what quarterback is going to look at PJ's offense and his system and the way he's handled quarterbacks and say that's the, that's the system I want to play in to, to showcase myself? It, it's it's you're gonna you can showcase yourself handing off, yeah, but unless right. unless PJ has a fundamental shift in how he runs his offense and handles quarterbacks, that's going to be a tough sell. We thought this was going to be the year they threw it more and they tried to early and you know Calic Manis being inaccurate probably changed some of that thinking, but they were also down to, you know, their fifth string running back, Jordan Newbin, who did a, a good job with what he with what he could do, but that was a lot of, you know, a lot of how the season played out as well. Um I just I, I'm just wondering like, do you do you think do you think they were surprised, even if you're not surprised that that eighth and a day after this New Hampshire quarterback says, Hey, I got an offer. Do you think they were surprised that he didn't want to stick around and try to keep that job and say, Hey, I had a, I didn't have the year I wanted to have, but I'm still the guy here. I think they probably were. Uh, unless, unless there was, you know, clues behind the scenes that we're not right. privy to. I don't get the sense that you didn't hear those rumblings or there was not talk about, um, you know, him wanting to, to change. So I, I didn't have any sense. I just said for my gut feeling when I saw PJ's reaction and that 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 throw that Ethan had yeah. his reaction that anytime you you know when you tell a quarterback who's been a starter, hey, I'm going out and I'm bringing in competition, there's a pretty good chance that quarterback is thinking, all right, they're looking for my replacement, right. so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. So so it doesn't you know when I when when I saw that come up uh, that they had offered. The first day after the season, I think it was Sunday, the first day that that kid tweeted from New Hampshire that, hey, I'm happy to have a – proud to have a – whatever yeah. it was, excited to have a scholarship offer. You know, that that was a telltale sign that, okay, uh, they're doing the right thing. They had to do that. Right. I mean, you, again, you could not guarantee Ethan that he was going to be your star next year. No, just, he, he didn't earn that right. And so um, were they surprised they left and didn't stick it out and maybe, you know – try to improve or get better. They maybe were, but we haven't heard from his end other than his dad tweeting that, Hey, it wasn't the thing of competition. I don't know yeah. what the truth is, right? But my guess is in these situations, it's not just one thing. It's a no. combination of factors. PJ has some program kind of soul searching to do throughout the year. You heard him say things about that's the big 10 quarterback right there. You know, things like that. There's, there's, there's some clues along the way that, Maybe he wasn't exactly um, happy with with the direction things were going at quarterback. Going into the season, though, like we said, y- y- there was some optimism about Ethan Calic Manis. Like, hey, they've got this young guy. He's got some, you know, dual threat ability. 
He's got good arm talent. Did we overrate him a little bit? Like I went back and looked at last year's sample size. Like aside from the Wisconsin game, he completed like 50% of his passes. Like he he just he wasn't that great last year except for the Wisconsin game. Yeah, I I thought he I thought the second half in Nebraska, he threw it a lot. I don't know what his percentage was, but he threw it a lot. No, they were high on him. I mean, there there was you could tell in talking to people they thought this kid had a chance to be good. They went out. You think about it. Chris Altman Bell came back even though he wasn't the same guy. They went out and got two transfer portal wide receivers. Yep. Uh, Brevin Span Ford came back, turned down a chance to go to the NFL to come back. They thought this was going to be a passing offense. They thought this kid was going to flourish for them. They expected some bumps like you would always expect a first-year starting quarterback, but I think they thought long-term this was going to be a kid that started two, three years for them and, and, be, yeah. and by the end play at a really high level. So did we – oversell uh you know a small snapshot of what he was maybe maybe but i think when you looked at his arm strength and and some throws that he made and we even saw him this year where that's the i think that was the frustrating thing for me mike was like there would be moments where you're like wow okay that's yep. a throw that's yep. a big time throw that's right we, we didn't you know you didn't see tanner morgan make the, that kind of throw but and I don't even want to say it was inconsistency because there's too too many lulls, too ma- the accuracy where it, he would miss receivers or bounce them off the ground, uh, throw behind them, the just the pocket awareness and situational awareness. It just didn't improve. That that to me was the most concerning thing was what you saw in game twelve is what you saw in game one, and yeah. it didn't look any different. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, final point on this before we move on to a couple other things. Um, you know, I I do I still kind of you know look at this and, and kind of wonder what you know what happens next. They're thirty three and fourteen. PJ Fleck when Tanner Morgan was his starting quarterback, sixteen and twenty with all other starting quarterbacks, and that goes back to. You know, guys in the first year like Connor Rhoda, Demry Croft, they're just trying to establish mm-hmm. things. But you know, they've had some highly Highly thought of guys. We go back to the names like Seth Green, Vic Viramontes. Chip, you remember Vic Viramontes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Ethan was highly regarded. Like, that. yeah, they've had some guys along the way that they thought a lot of. They got to get it right next year, don't they? Like, even yeah. if it's if it's this New Hampshire guy, whatever it is, like they've got to get it right next year because you don't want to have another year where they're you're you're not getting it right at quarterback. You're winning four or five games, and all of a sudden, then it becomes a trend, not just a one year thing. Well, it is, and 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 the thing we just don't know is. The portal. It's so yeah. easy for guys to leave that, you know, you, they invested a year in Ethan Calic Manis thinking they're going to get two more high productive years at him. Didn't happen. You know, the portals makes it easy for guys to transfer. So, you know, if they go out and get a grad transfer, well, guess what? They're starting over again the next year. Right. And so I think they're sadly in the new modern college football the idea of having a three or four year starting quarterback is going to be more and more rare. Yeah. More and more unique. Um, because it's just, uh, because guys transfer so frequently now. And so the, yeah, they absolutely have to get this right. And we, you know, I, I just, again, for the reasons I laid out that it's going to be tough because I don't know that, you're going to get a sitting power five established power five quarterback to come here. You have to go to a lower level like New Hampshire, FCS group of five, someone, and that's not to say they can't succeed that we don't know that, but 
when you're 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 getting a quarterback that's played at a lower level, a much lower level, it's hard to you know. There's just unknowns that come with that, and on top of it, this system, Mike. Even yeah. when they had yeah. two white in 2019, I went back and looked at the other day. They yeah. had two NFL future wide receivers, yeah. including the first round pick. I think they ranked a hundred, and I want to get it right, but it's in a hundred, one hundred ten, I think, nationally yeah. in passing attempts. Yeah. So even when you're surrounded by NFL talent, it's not going to be PJ. Just will not open up his offense and allow the quarterback to be a focal point. It's always going to be run the ball, ball control, try to chew up the clock, and and we've seen it happen again this year when things go wrong. There's an interception or drop pass or inaccuracy whatever he pulls back and doesn't trust it and and tries to shorten the game by running the ball and so i I just other than hey big 10 school that's a great academic school big 10 the big stage and you got a chance to start i don't know what the other selling points are yeah and those are old things to sell there's new things that other places have to sell they're maybe a little different now yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting someone if someone ever wins more than 33 games here as a quarterback, they're probably going to be building PJ a statue because you're right. That's a, that's a lot in this modern era. Yeah, of, it is. Uh, yeah. Games to it's just, win. You're going to see, I think it's, I don't know if the revolving door is too dramatic, but I, I think you're just going to be constant turnover at every position. Yeah. Yeah. We saw just on Thursday, but Zach Evans announced he's in the portal too, right? Correct. Yep. The running back. Um, Let's move on to the Vikings. The Gophers have like, you know, we joke, I mean, we talked about it, but you know, they've got, weeks, months to kind of sort this all out until we get to spring practice and, you know, kind of the various stages of the portal along the way and figure out, you know, ultimately their starter by next August. They don't have to really name anybody until then. The Vikings have to have a starter by about 10 days from now. And Chip, if it's, I'm starting just kind of reading between the lines of what O'Connell's saying and watching how bad Dobbs was the other day and you didn't get much help from O'Connell in that game, I didn't think either. I'm starting to think they're going to go to Nick Mullins, and I'm really thinking that's going to be a mistake. I just yeah, these coaches, I almost they, think it's, these coaches yeah. <laughs> just have to have their they just have to have their control over things. They they got to have a guy who's going to run that run it their way. Well, uh, I think if you start looking at it and doing process of elimination, the turnovers are bad with Dobbs. I mean, we we yeah. as much as euphoria as Dobbs mania was and fun we're starting to see why he's played for seven teams and was a backup, right? I mean, the turnovers are just, you, you, you can't have them. I mean, they're just, they, they, there's such a drain on your chance to win. And so my hunch is now that they've had, now that Mullins is, is healthy and Jaron Hall is healthy. I think he, uh, I'm guessing O'Connell is going to want to go with somebody who knows the system. So it's not, everything just trying to improvise on the fly and figure out what does he know? What can we do? That type of things. And, and I agree with you. Like you think there'd be more, uh, the, the scheme more sculpted around what Dobbs does well, moving his feet and different things. That's probably easier said than done to sure. do. I mean, it's not like you have weeks and months in training camp right. to do that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm wondering if he just says, you know what? The ceiling may be lower, the upside may be lower. Right. But let's go with a guy who knows the system, who we knows the personnel, knows everything, who's been here for a while. You know, as much as Jaron Hall was kind of tempting with the two drives that you saw in, right. in Atlanta, 
I mean, this was supposed to be a development year from here. He was not supposed to play. He would not have played if Mullins was healthy right. in that game. And so I, when you start looking at process of elimination, I won't be surprised if they go with Mullins uh, when they come back. Yeah, and I think Dobbs would still be the number two in that case. Yeah. And Hall goes back yeah. to being three. I just, I just look at it like this, Chip. Like Nick Mullins maybe gives you the best chance to play a controlled game, try to let your defense. I mean, he's kind of like you know, he's he's certainly not as talented or as capable as Kirk Cousins, but he's he's the closest one of those guys to Kirk Cousins, right? He's the kind of more of the veteran who's going to run the offense, kind of knows what he's doing. He's got limited mobility. I think he's got like negative career rushing yards. He's not going to run anywhere, but you know, if he gets a clean pocket and you got Justin Jefferson back, he can probably run the offense, find the open guy, drive you down the field, maybe get you a touchdown or two and try to let, try to let the defense win you a game like 20 to 16. You might get a few wins at the end of the year like that and get into the playoffs at nine and eight. You're going absolutely nowhere though. Your ceiling is limited with Nick Mullins. It just is. We we know what Nick Mullins is. We know what Joshua Dobbs is, good and bad, right? Like I feel like if if you've got any chance to catch lightning in a bottle and go on a playoff run, it's with a guy like Dobbs, not Mullins. So it's just kind of an interesting way to kind of parse what you want out of this year. Yeah, it's it's is there a higher ceiling, higher upside with Dobbs because if he can we've seen yeah, pull some magic out of a hat with his feet, sure. But, I mean, he's darn lucky he didn't have five interceptions in that game, one in the yeah. pick six. I mean, it's hard to overlook his turnovers. It's, it's yeah. what, six turnovers in two games? He's got Yeah, he's got eight, eight touchdowns and eight turnovers in four yeah. games. I mean, Mike, it's, it's you know, the risk-reward, I just don't know that O'Connell wants to keep going down that path. And he might look at it as a thing of, yes, there might be, those kind of magical moments that he pulls something out, you know, of the hat. But if you have four turnovers and we lose to Chicago Bears at home in a pivotal game, you can't ignore that, but with hoping that he does something spectacular, you know, sometimes. So I, I, um, I agree with your thinking, but if I'm, you know, I, you know, I've been around coaches enough to know that oh, yeah. I think that they, they go with, let's just play it safe, play it trust, you know, getting or getting Jefferson back Defense is playing well. And I think more than anything, I, I do think it comes down to him knowing the offense and everything being so chaotic, trying to get Dobbs up to speed and figuring out him out and him figuring the scheme and personnel out that they probably just want to say, you know, let's just let's just go to the guy who's been here for a while, who's gone through yeah. the training camp and, and workouts. And so that's why I think they'll probably make that pivot. Coaches, man, they want they, they want their control. <laughs> I know it. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna irk me, and it's gonna be annoying, and it's gonna happen. But we'll we'll see. I guess we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah. Mullins will be their fourth guy to start a game at quarterback in in the first thirteen of the season, and who knows if he makes it the rest of the way how it goes. I mean, they they could they could turn back some other direction at any moment. Anything well, is possible with five games left in the year. That's why. I mean, I wouldn't if if they do that. I don't think you've seen the last of Dobbs because yeah this thing is so tenuous and fluid that, you know, they could either by choice or by force, they have to, if, if someone gets hurt that you have to go back to them. So it's look, there's not good options, you know, at this point, there's interesting you, you, options. There's more there's interesting, interesting options. Yeah, there's interesting. There's more yeah. interesting options than Nick Mullins. He's like the least interesting option. There's nothing against Nick I would, Mullins. I just, I'm, I, I just, would, yeah, I, I, you know, I, <clears throat> 
in terms of sexiness of storylines. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell's not, not here to <laughs> Kevin O'Connell's not here for our storylines. Is he? No, he's he's not. To, he's he's not. here to try to make the playoffs, and I get it. I just I just think That's their right. ceiling is limited, but yeah, maybe maybe it's limited all around. Hey, final thing. Wild change coaches um, seemed like fans were kind of annoyed or upset. Like a lot of people liked Dean Evison more than I realized. And a lot of people were down on Bill Guerin um, for how this season has gone and for that decision. Um, yeah. What did you, you know, it's it's the thing like Bill Guerin said, you can't fire 23 players, which is kind of well, an old thing that hockey, hockey guys say, but also probably can't make 23 guys feel all that great. But what, what did you make of the the decision at that point? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a surprise. I mean, particularly this sport, it happens like when a team that's in a mired in a losing sleep uh, streak, like they were and guys are underperforming. It's the easiest thing, the most convenient thing that teams always do. They fire. I, I thought Dean was a fine coach. He yeah. did good, good things. I like dealing with them, but if you don't think a situation is going to prove they're going to fire the coach every time and try to get a spark, is he solely responsible for Matt Boldy not playing well? No. Was he solely responsible for Kirill Kaprizov having a bad start? No, that's on the players. But it's it might be unpopular, but it's it's not unexpected. It's not surprising. Yeah. Dean Evison will get another head coaching job because that's so. what yeah. happens. So <laughs> hockey, yeah. I you know I think fans are upset with the contracts that that Billy gave out yeah. this offseason. I can understand why. Uh, you bring back veterans who are not performing well right now and you have, you know, some no move clauses in there and it's not an excuse and we can't use it every time. Just like I get annoyed when anytime the Gophers lose and everybody says NIL can't compete. Right. Right. The, the, the wild has their, you know, thing like that with the, the buyout money and being hamstrung by what is it? 15 million now. It's like 14.7, 14.7, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Of dead money. So you, your hands are tied, but guess what? That was Billy's choice. Yes. He decided to do that, knowing that was going to be punitive. And so, uh, is this a playoff team going into the season? We all thought that just because it tends to happen. But in reality, when you start as poorly as they are, no, they don't look like a playoff team. And so, no. um, is is that Dean's fault? Probably not entirely. Yes, some because you're the you're the coach, but. Again, that sport recycles coaches and fires coaches yes. more than any other. So, uh, you know, it's tough because I like Dean as a person and yeah. he's fun to deal with. But uh, and, you know, it's it's also it wasn't unexpected. It's just so it's just so weird. Like these guys are professionals. Like why why does it, why does it that suddenly another grown man comes in the locker room, says something slightly different, and then they play well in their first game and win? It's just it's very it's very yeah. sad. I mean, it's human nature, I suppose, to a degree, but like. Why do coaching, I don't get why coaching changes, especially in this case where they've had some success with this guy and they don't seem to actively dislike Dean Evason. Like, why would that be such a big deal and in, in, in give teams sparks all the time, especially in hockey? It, it is the uh, unanswerable question. It's like, really? It took someone getting fired for you to play hard? Right. Or did it pick up your like that? That's right. like, could you not do no. that on your own without no, no, no. so but i don't but it happens it's that i have no idea yeah. why it happens why it takes that but it does and typically mike that spark only happens for a spark it yes. typically yes. come back to who they are you know yes. um it, it it might i don't you know i don't know the case study of it but how often does a team just 
get hot and go on and do some right. great things. I, you know, maybe it does. And I Sometimes, just can't think of yeah. it off the top of my head. Yeah. But, um, but if, if you're a flawed team before it, you're probably going to be a flawed team after. Yeah. Agreed. Well, all these teams we talked about today certainly have their share of flaws, Chip. We'll see which one of them yep. figures it out. Uh, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk soon. All right, brother. See you, man. Always appreciate Chip's time. Like I said, I think it's a mistake going away from Josh Jobs right now. I get it. I get the turnovers. I get the coaches can't live with that. I get you don't want that um, messing up your, you know, disrupting whatever flow you've got in the game, things like that. I just look at ceiling. I look at the ceiling of this team, and I don't see much of a ceiling with Nick Mullins. I think it's the safe play if they go that way. It just feels like they're inching towards that. I felt differently earlier in the week, but I think now I'm kind of starting to read how this is headed. Listen to what Kevin O'Connell has to say. It just feels like that's where they are trending right now. Not like Nick Mullins is a bad quarterback. He's a fine quarterback. He's okay. He will run the offense most like Kirk Cousins the rest of the way, but he is not Kirk Cousins. So basically, you're getting a lesser version of Kirk Cousins who wasn't really going to take you anywhere anyway this season. So what does that tell you? tells me that I think they should go with Dobbs until the wheels completely fall off. I think he, he gives you the most opportunity to actually win big games this season. If you're talking about someone who could catch Catch a heater, ride three or four games that could be well above average. Josh Dobbs tells, I think he's the guy that gives you the best chance to do that. But the Vikings will make the decision that they make. Feels like they're going to go with the safe choice, a guy who might be able to kind of manage a game, maybe get them into the playoffs and get completely destroyed in a playoff game. That's what Nick Mullins does to, does in, as far as I'm concerned. But maybe that's what they're looking for at this point. They're just kind of get through it and go beyond that. So we'll see what they actually ultimately decide to do. Now, the Wild, like, like Chip and I were talking about, getting a boost from the John Hines hire in the first game. Now, how about, how about Thursday night? 6-1 to one at Nashville, a team that had been going well Nashville won a bunch of games in a row. Wild blitzed them in the first period with three goals. Connor Dewar winds up with a hat trick in this game. Kaprizov scores on the power play. The special teams are great. No power or no power play goals allowed. One power play goal scored. They're, they're fast. They're playing with speed. They're playing with purpose, just like they said they would. Why does it take so long to do this? Who knows? Why does it take grown men, someone else getting fired before they realize that they have to play differently. I don't know. But this happens all the time in sports. It's not just hockey. It's a lot of different things where even if you liked the person in charge before, when somebody new comes in, you take notice, you do things a little bit differently. And even if you change your game 10 or 20%, it can have huge consequences for the action on the ice, the court, the field, whatever it is. So we are seeing another example of this, the wild to the extreme right now with a 6-1 win over Nashville. Again, it's early. We'll see how much of a jolt this is, if it's like a 10 or 15 game jolt, or if this continues for the rest of the season. That will do it for me today. Good stuff coming up next week. Like I said, Royce should be back with me on Monday. Tim Connolly on a show sometime next week and plenty of other good things as well. Until then, I'm Michael Rand. Have a great weekend and we'll see you again on Monday. <laughs>